All right, let's get into this. 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 12. You have that? Yes, sir. Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Praise God. So before time was given, began, purpose and grace was given to all of us. But I want you to notice we're going to use Paul's testimony here. In verse 11, it says, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. That you could say that is Paul's lane assignment. So today I want to use this subject. Stay in your lane. Tell your neighbor, stay in your lane. We're going to all run this race. We're going to all run this race here, but stay in your lane. You got it? Now, Father, thank you today for the word. I thank you that, God, you've already anointed me. As we prayed earlier, Lord, you talked to me and, and I talked to you. And, Lord, I know your people are positioned and ready to receive the word of God. So I thank you that, God, there will be an exchange in the spirit that will bring life and peace to each of, what, uh, each of these, your precious people. Anoint me even the more, even more to minister your word. Let me have more wisdom, more insight, more revelation from your word, God, and let it flow freely, unhindered, unchecked by any outside force, and let your people receive. With thanksgiving we pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, take your seats. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Glory to God. Now, We've been, we've been talking, I'm going to move ahead a little bit here. We've been talking about, again, this set time for God's purposes and plans in the earth, right? And how uh, God, just like he releases a word. Remember I gave you that the other night, Proverbs 15, 23, about uh, a word spoken in season, how good it is. So just like there's a word for every season, every generation, there's also a grace for every season and generation. Y'all got it? So the grace that God releases to us is suitable for our times. Amen? Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Thank God for those new windows. Amen. So the grace God releases for us is suitable for our times. And also it's particular, listen to this very part here, particular to each person's purpose. So I want you to get that. That's, that's the gist of what I want to get across today. Is that, just like there's a word for you in this season, there's a grace for you in this season. And that grace released on you is particular to your purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. And I have a grace for my purpose. Alright, now, again, this grace that God gives you that's what Paul said. There's a grace given to him, to us, before time. 
is connected to our purpose, which is because God has a purpose and plan for our lives. In fact, there's a scripture here. We know it very well. Romans 8, 28. But I want to read an Amplified Bible here real quick. Romans 8, 28, Amplified Bible. Which says this. We are sure to know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together. And notice this next part. And are fitting into a plan. Everybody say it's fitting into a plan. <clears throat> for good to, to and for those who love God and are called according to his what? Design. design and purpose. I like that part. According to his design and purpose. So we, we even got into this Wednesday night about how God designed you a certain way. And his design for you was an indication of your purpose. You know the phrase, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention, right? So when God created you and me, he didn't create us and then uh, later on figure out what he wanted to do with us. Nobody creates a product like that. Any product person creates, they have the purpose and the idea, the plan in mind first, and then that, that dictates how they create the product. Based on what they want it to do, its function dictates its form. Oh, y'all missed that. Y'all understand? The function of a thing dictates its form. There's a reason a, a screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver is made like that. Because its function is to turn a screw with only a slot in it. But a Phillips head, y'all know about these? A Phillips, anybody don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is? A Phillips head is that one, that little point that kind of got a cross on it. The Phillips head is it, it's formed that way because it's function is to turn a screw that has the cross slot in it. Right? So, so uh, form doesn't come before function. Function comes before form. So you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made. So our form that we were made in is, is after, is indicative, is a clue to our function. That's not too deep, right? Y'all can handle this on a Sunday morning. I know this is usually Wednesday night kind of stuff. Okay, so we have a function. Everybody say I have a function. So God created us according to his design and purpose. All right? Now, again, back in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, this is where we've been, been dealing it the last week here. Notice here again, verse 9 says, we are saved and called. We already went through that, right? So not only are we saved, we're also called. Everybody say, I'm called. Again, I said this before, you ask somebody, you know, hey, are you saved? They're going to tell you what church they go to or, you know, what, grandma, what their grandmama's church name is, all that kind of stuff, which doesn't even tell us whether they're saved or not. People, they're going to try to skirt that question. If a person skirts the question about their salvation, they're not saved. Okay. Matter of fact, I'm going to push you a little further. If they can't tell you when they got saved. Right? If a person can't tell you when they got saved, they probably didn't have a real salvation experience. Because a real salvation experience is life-changing. You don't forget something to change your life. I mean, how many of y'all are old enough to remember and remember where you were on September the 11th when the towers were attacked? 
You remember that moment very well. I remember I was riding down Fifth Avenue in, in my, my green Grand, Grand Prix. Man, and I, heard, I heard, had the news on. They paused everything. What? Yeah. Tom was being attacked and all that kind of stuff. Man, I knew where I was. I remember the day I got, I got uh, married. May 27th, 2000, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Life changing. So we ought to remember when we got saved. Right? Okay. For me, February 12th, 1989. Okay. Some of y'all, okay, praise the Lord. Some of y'all thinking, oh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, but more important in, than even being saved is that we've been called. Everybody say, I've been called. called. All right. So he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. When? Before time began. So we see this part here that our purpose came before we came. Right? And we looked in Jeremiah chapter 1, look in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, where God says to Jeremiah, before you were born, you know, I knew you before you were forming your mother's womb, I called you and so forth and everything like that, right? I ordained you as a prophet. So before Jeremiah was even born, God knew him. So before you were born, God knew you. God didn't wait on you to, get born, to, to be born in the earth, and he didn't wait on you to get born again before he came up with your purpose. You didn't surprise God when you got saved. Right? He'd been calling you your whole life. And when you got saved, he didn't, he didn't now stop and say, you know, now what can I do? What can I use them for? He already knew that before you got born again, before you were born. Y'all got it? All right. Now, <clears throat> this part again says, before Time began. Look at that again. Before time began. So my calling wasn't based on my coming. My coming was because I was called. Okay? How many of y'all believe that? Let me just ask this question. Let me do this survey. How many of y'all believe that? Okay, some of y'all don't believe that. All right, what I got what else I gotta say? Well, I know, whatever, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, probably, probably everybody does believe. Y'all just too lazy to put your hand in the air. Huh? Huh? What I said was good. Okay, so it's self-explaining. I don't need to explain it again. Okay, so you, your, your calling preceded you. You came... To the Lord because you were called. Okay, give me, give me Romans 8 and verse uh, 28 in the, in the New King James. Let, I'll show you this. I'll show you this. Romans 8, 28. And all things work together for good. We just read that, right? Good, go to verse 29. 29. For whom he foreknew. All right, I'm, I'm going to help all the rest of y'all who didn't have your hand up. For whom he foreknew. You know what foreknew means? It means knew before. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, come on, to the image of his son, that he might, the son might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he pre-planned for Jesus Christ to be the older brother. Right? Now we got to keep going. Verse 30. 
Verse 30. Moreover then, whom he predestined, watch, there it is. These he also called. So you were, predest you were foreknown before you were predestined. And you were predestined before you were called. So we can go backwards. The reason you were called is because you were predestined. The reason you were predestined is because you were foreknown. God knew you before you knew him. He chose you before you chose him. He had a plan before you, for you before you even came to him. So, whom he called, these he also justified. So, when he called you, you answered him. He also justified you, made you right with him. And then these he also glorified. He put something on you. Switch to the verse 30 Amplified Bible because it says something big in Amplified Bible, that same verse. He, he also glorified, look at the last sentence, raising them to a heavenly dignity and condition or state of being. And that's all past tense. Got it? So God always had this plan in mind for your life. So, everybody understand, you were called before you came. Does there, I got to make sure everybody understand. Put your hand up. Because I'm about to read something else here that you got you to get this. I was called before I came. Okay, now before you came, let me ask this question. What were you doing before you, before you, before you came? No, don't, don't think about it too long. Don't think about it too long. I don't, I don't want specifics. <laughs> y'all get specifics with me, man. We'd be in trouble. I don't want y'all back down memory lane. No, don't go down my memory lane because it's... Some stuff we need to forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are before us. And press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. They're, they're in a sea of forgetfulness. Don't go get your cast net trying to pull them back up. Praise the Lord. But all, let's just say before you got, before you came, you were a mess. But you were a called mess. Y'all missing that still. Before you came, you were a mess, but you were a called mess. And this is going to make sense to you even more. You, you understand, some, some of y'all know you have some, some, some people you know in your family who are, they are running so hard away from God. You, they're, they're running. As hard as they can in the wrong direction. And you, you look at them and you say, I know there's a color on that boy's life. You're right. A called mess. The world is covered in called messes. Now that'll change your evangelism right there. Everybody out in the world, they're still called. God still has a plan for their lives. They've just not answered the call. They've not come. Many of them because they believe their mess precludes them or excludes them from coming. But your mess didn't exclude you. Come on now, tell the truth. How many of y'all came to God as a mess? Now you came to God a mess. 
You know, everybody hand ought to be up in this right game. You all, we all came to God as a mess. But I was a called mess. Now, if that's the case, and it is, then let's read this next verse here. Romans 11, verse 29. You'll know, you'll, when, when you put it on the screen, you're going to say, oh, I know that one. For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Put in the King James Version. That's where we know it. That's where I know it. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. How many of y'all have heard that before? Okay, so. Now let's, let's not. Yeah, let's, 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 let's analyze that for a second. So the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. One, on one side of that, I want you to see this. That you're called and even have a gifting available without your repentance. Mm -hmm. Before you repent, before you ever come to God, there's the calling is already on your life. And I'm going to show you that there's giftings. This is what I, I said that other night with Paul. Apostle Paul. These, these callings and giftings that were on his life were there before he ever repented. In fact, he had, he was, he had no plan on repenting. He was on his way to bust up some saints when, the, when God got a hold of him. Was he? He's on his way into the church. He was going to drag, drag some more people out, you know, while they was having praise and worship and everybody pins into the front. He was going to bust a usher right in the mouth. Bam! Just, right? This is what he's going to do. Because he, this is what he's doing. And God, God called him right then. So he was a mess. But the gift and calling are without repentance. But I want you to see the other side of this. Is that what it really means, if you go back to New King James, it'll help us understand that, but just leave, leave it in the King James here. Because it says, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, which means that once God calls you, and once God puts a gifting on you, he does not repent. That's the, that's the, the, the nominal meaning of this verse here, is that, is that he does not change his mind. That's what the word repent means. The word, word repent doesn't mean, you know, ask pardon for your sin. It means to change your thinking. So when God calls, your, calls you in your life, he doesn't change his mind. So that means if that's how it was before you got saved, even after you get saved and you falter, you mess up, you... you If you get saved and start preaching the gospel, I'm going to be preaching the gospel, and because that's what God called you to do. All of a sudden, now you mess around and you start tipping around and you go out there and start drinking and you know doing. You start living, you know all you know all that kind of stuff. Well, the calling don't change. The gift didn't change. God didn't take it back. He didn't say, well, "Shucks, ain't going to use you no more." Once he calls, it's, it's unchangeable. Which means that you and I will have to give an account for that gift and calling. No matter what we do. And watch this. And this is the whole point of the lesson that I want to bring to you. Is that you and I will have to give a, a, an account for our gift and our calling. 
because God doesn't change his mind. So that means if I have a gift and calling on my life, I can't look at the gift and calling on Deacon Mac's life and say, I like that one better. So now I'm going to do what he's gifted and called to do. Because my, my desire for that doesn't change God's mind. Everybody say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Woo-wee. Romans 11, 29 in the voice translation. Can y'all put it on the screen, please? In the voice translation. Says this. You see, when God gives a grace gift and issues a call to a people, he does not change his mind and take it back. Got it? So whatever God calls you to, he don't change his mind. All right? Now, let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12. Let's show you something here. Hallelujah. It's good so far, huh? All right? Romans 12. And I'm going to start reading at verse 3. Paul says this, for I say through the grace grace given to me. He's talking about now his specific grace given to him. We read in 2 Timothy 1 about a grace given to us. But he's talking now about a grace given to him in particular. So the reason I can say what I say is because I'm graced to say it. Yeah, I'll say that. It just came to mind. I'm, there's some things I'm graced to say because I have a pastoral grace. That's why when people go through my preachers and teachers class, I tell them, don't you ever get up here and whip my children. I'll come on this side. Tell them, don't you ever get up here preaching and whip my children. These are my children. I have the grace to say some stuff. You try to say it and it won't come out right. What you saying might be right. But if you're not graced to say it, it won't come out right. Got it? So Paul saying, for I say through the grace given to me. He said to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's right, right? So we also taught you a few, a few months ago, don't ever think lowly, more lowly than you ought to think too, right? But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Everybody say measure of faith. Okay, verse four, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same, do not have the same, do not have the same function, function. So all the members don't have the same function. Got it? Just like your body, your physical human body. Everything doesn't function the same way. Every part has a different function. That's a good thing. (laughs) It'll be chaos, right? God put these bodies in order, put everything uh, and formed them for their function. There's a reason your fingers don't look like your toes. 
Not ex Could you imagine if your toes were that long? Some of y'all might have a toe that long. I don't know. I've seen some people. I've seen. You need to put on some shoes, man. Don't wear no sandals, man. Praise the Lord. Everybody say function. function. All right. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Individually members of one another. Okay. Now, so we don't all have the same function. Now that word function is defined this way. Function is the action for which a person or thing is specially fitted or used or for which a thing exists purpose. This is right out of, the, out of the dictionary here. This is not from the Hebrew Greek. This is from the dictionary. It says, again, the action for which a personal thing is specially fitted. Specially fitted. That's exactly right. You're tailor-made for your function. My wife says, I hear her say this all the time, and we laugh about it. She said, ooh. She'll say, like, like so let's say Latoya singing, something like that. She'll say, ooh. She said, boy, if I can sing like Latoya, let me tell you something. Y'all wouldn't know what to do with me if I can sing like Latoya. Y'all put me out, because, boy, I'll be singing. All, I'll be striking up a song in the welcome. I'll be striking up a song in everything. I'll be striking up a song. I'll be singing all the time. Just be singing, 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 singing. I mean, and she would, because, because her personality is like that. So I'm thankful that she, she can sing now. I'm thankful that she can't sing like Latoya, because I would not be able to shut her up. See, so she wasn't specially fitted for that. God didn't call her to the singing ministry. I'm telling y'all wouldn't be able to get we wouldn't have I'm telling you just nothing. So specially fitted or used for or for which a thing exists. The action for which a thing exists. Meaning purpose. So what Paul is saying to us is that verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same purpose. Everybody say, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay? So notice he's, he's comparing us in our function, our roles to the human body. Right? Everybody has a human body? Okay, good. I want to make sure. So you know, you understand your human body how it works. Every part has a, has a different function. So what's important for us to understand is that, again, we don't have the same function. We have many members, but we don't all have the same function. But go to verse 5. So we being many, or many members, are one body and individually members of one another. Which means, although I don't have the same function as Christopher, and he doesn't have the same function 
as me. We're part of the same body and individually we are members of each other. So that means that I need him and he needs me. That he must function in his role so I can function in my role so the whole thing can run smoothly. And if he fails to function in his role, it'll also have an adverse effect on me functioning in my role. Because, okay, because we know, all right, y'all been through a biology class. We have a skeletal system. We have a nervous system. We have a, a endocrine system, a muscular system. Did I say nervous system? We have a circulatory system, a reproductive system, didactic system, what? Digestive, I thought you said didactic. I'm like, I never heard of didactic. Di she's feeding me. Digestive system, e excretory system, huh? Respiratory, I didn't say respiratory? <sighs> respiratory system. Huh? Oh, my skin, hair, and nails. Integmentary. That's a new one. You just taught that in class, okay. And we got teachers in the house. They always trying to impress us with all their knowledge. And so integmentary, okay, I got it. All right? Okay, now, <clears throat> all these systems, now how many understand your body together is a system? It's a system of systems. That if you, if you uh, become deficient in one of those systems, all the other systems, although they have a different function, they still have to work together to make the body run. Right? Those of you who, uh, you know, always catching colds and always, catch, you know, always sick all the time with, you know, those kind of things like that, you're saying, well, my immune system is weak. Well, your immune system depends, 75% of its strength comes from your digestive system. So the reason why your immune system is strong is because your food, your food intake, your, 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 your body is not functioning properly in the, in the, the digestive system. So if you will fix your digestive system, it'll fix your immune system. That's why it's, it's a proven fact that when babies are born, babies, little infants, uh, do better physically by breastfeeding because they're introducing something that is natural to their digestive system. So because that is in, in place, their, uh, their immune systems are stronger. Because the systems depend on each other. So although we don't have the same function, we have to work together. So I have to know what is my function. What is my function? What, what is my function? What is my, what is my purpose? Glory to God. I got to know that. Hallelujah. Everybody say I have a purpose. I have a function. Let me throw this in there too, because this is what's happening in medical science. Whenever medical science does not fully understand purpose and function, they make that part dispensable. This is what happens. 
because medical science does not fully understand the full purpose and functionality of every part, they, it's more easy for them to just, well, let's just take that out. I mean, I'm, I remember coming up do, do, back when I was a kid, everybody was having their tonsils taken out. Just, what, what you gonna, oh, I'm going, I'm going to have my tonsils taken out Monday. Why? Just take them out. You don't really need them. You don't really need them. You don't really need them. Psalm 139, verse 14. I'm going to come back to the other verse. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So when God made you fearfully and wonderfully, he put every single part in your body there for a function. He didn't just have like extra parts to throw in there. I think it'd be fun to just throw in, throw in this little thing and you know, just... So, because they don't fully understand what the gallbladder does. It's just, you don't really need it. Let's just take it out. You can, you can live without it. Sure, you can live. But you better stay close to a restroom. <laughs> I'm just telling you. See, so whatever they don't understand... Whatever they don't know the full purpose and function of, they, 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 it's easily cut off. Am I right? Am I right? So if that's the case, that also explains then why people in the body of Christ who never find out their full purpose and know the reason why they're here, they never find out what their actual function is, it's more easy for them to be Cut off. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all letting know right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Well, I don't need to go because, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just Sunday. Or, it ain't about it being Sunday. It, it's, you have a function. This, this, that's, that's just the mentality. Now, even worse, though, is if that's the case, if I, if I become, uh, if I, the less I use it, like a muscle, something that's in called atrophy. And when atrophy sets in, that muscle is weakened and weakened and weakened because of lack of use. And because it's not used, then a time comes later on when I need it, uh-oh, uh-oh. I can't hardly lift myself up. See? So we got to know the function, got to know the purpose, and then put it into use. So we don't make any, not, there's not one person in the body of Christ who's, who's dispensable, who's expendable, I don't, that, that we say, I don't need you. Glory to God. And I'm not just talking about uh, ushers and greeters and deacons and, and singers. There are some of you, I'll, I'll show you this if we, if we have time. Oh, I'm out of time already for the day. Let me, let me, let me have a few extra minutes. <laughs> that some of us are not called 
necessarily in the ushering or the greeting ministry. Some of us are called to be those entrepreneurs. That, that is actually our calling. Because somebody has to finance. Somebody has to be those ones in, in Luke 8, 1 through 3, who came and supported Jesus' ministry such that he could go and do what he had to do. That's a ministry. This is a ministry. And, and there, there's a grace for that as much as there's a grace for pastor the church. But what you understand is, is just because, now watch this, watch this. You can't all of a sudden say, okay, that's my grace. Now I don't need the church. No, 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 no. You got to function together. You can't function apart from each other because, because the grace is on you for this purpose. If you don't operate in that purpose, the grace wanes. It wanes off you. Now you've got that struggle and toil in business. Am I telling this right? Okay. Some people, it might be their calling to, to raise and care for orphans. That might be their absolute calling. And God will give them a grace. That's their function for that. So when, I, when I'm teaching, I don't want you to think I'm just talking about just how you function or what, you know, what ministry you serve on. I, I, I personally believe everybody should serve on a ministry. I'm going to say it again. I personally believe it is my desire that every person serves in some ministry. Because serving in some ministry provides you an outlet to begin to discover your purpose. Most people never discover their purpose because they never get involved in anything and never, never try anything. But do you know when, when a person decides they're going to be a doctor and they want to be a specialist in whatever, 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 before they become that specialist, they have to go and, and on a circuit and learn and, and try everything. And it's through trying everything that they discover, oh, that's where I fit. So many times people fail to ever function their purpose because they fail to ever get involved in doing anything. Just hit your neighbor right in the, in the gut and say, he's talking about you. He ain't looking at you, but he's talking about you. I know it. I'm telling you, talking about you. All right. <clears throat> So we all have a function. We all have a purpose. We've all been fitted for something. Now, go back to Romans 12. Let's, let's, let's see this, then, then we'll, we'll quit here. I'll get as far as I can just for a minute. I'll probably have to preach Stay in Your Lane Part 2 Wednesday. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, stay in your lane. <laughs> Verse 6, are you there? Romans 12, verse 6. Yes, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Okay? Now let's cover just that part of it right there. So having then gifts. Now remember he's talking about we. Verse 5, we. So he's talking about all of us. Everybody say all of us. 
Not all y'all, all of us. So he's not leaving anybody out. Okay? So having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us. Having then gifts, we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So we meaning each of us, every one of us, has a different gift according to the grace. So my grace is for my gift. <laughs> All right. Now this will help y'all. This will help you. I, I think it will. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say my gift. Okay. Now it says here, having then gifts. Everybody say gifts. gifts. Now that word gifts is the Greek word charisma. We would say charisma. Now remember verse 5, we. Okay, now I want you to see this here. We have gifts. Charisma. Everybody has charisma. I hear you. I was just saying some of those. It's not more. It's different. See, I, this is why I want, oh my God. I, I, I won't help y'all with this. I'm, we won't have an end on this today because they can't take any more than this day. Tell your neighbor, you have charisma. You have charisma. See, we look at people and say, oh, they don't even have any charisma. Look at them. They don't have any charisma. They are just, they're just nothing compelling about them. They're just different. Yeah, they do. If they're a believer in the body of Christ, everyone has charisma. It's just different. Because it's different according to their, their, their grace. So watch this. This word charisma is uh, it, this is what it means. Uh, this is right out of uh, out of the dictionary here. Compelling attractiveness or charm. Prince charming. But watch that can inspire devotion in others. This is what dictionaries tells us. It's an attractiveness or charm. It's something on you that inspires devotion in others. We can add to something. Synonyms for this charisma is a presence, personality, force of personality, strength of character. But no, notice the, the, the second part that dictionary add, the, the dictionary adds in. The dictionary add, puts this in. A divinely conferred power or talent. The dictionary recognizes that charisma comes from God. That God confers or places something on your life that is meant to inspire devotion in others. There's something in you that God uses to help others. So I have charisma. People, 
people, you know, when you, you evaluate other people, you, you base, you know, they don't really have any personality. Everybody has a personality. Everybody has a personality. That's why people come and say, what's it? Well, I got sinuses. Good for you. Everybody has sinuses. Sinuses is not a condition. It's a cavities in your head. Right? Tell your neighbor, everybody has sinuses. <laughs> yeah, you might have sinusitis, a sinus infection. Or you, or you look at a guy and say, oh, he got muscles. Everybody has muscles. Right? I'm not going to say a joke on that one. A divinely conferred power or talent. So, we all have charisma. Go back to Second Corinthians to, uh, to Romans twelve. That was that verse, verse six. Remember from verse five, he's saying we. So we can say verse six. We having then charisma, charisma differing. So we all have charisma. We all have personality. We all have divinely conferred power or talent. We all have it. Look at your neighbor and say you have it. Tell them I have, it. I have it. We all have it. We all have it. All God's children got charisma. <laughs> Tell them, but it's just different. That's why we're not boring. If everybody had the same talent and personality, it would just be boring. I couldn't be as loud as my wife. My wife, boy, people, somebody preaching, my wife, boy, she'd be, praise God, say it! That's not me. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to listen. Praise the Lord. I might, I might testify, but I ain't going to do that. Now, I don't, I don't pick on her for that. What? No, that's, that's, that's not a crack. That's an observation. And when I'm preaching, I need, I want that. I'm like, praise God, my, my baby knows this right. It must be right, but my baby testifying, boy. Okay. Praise God. But she, yeah, she needs me to keep the temperance, you know, keep everything down. But without her, it'll be boring. Without her, it'll be very boring. Are you understanding that? So all of us have various, I'm, I'm helping some marriages right now, praise the Lord. Is this a marriage minute? Oh, yeah, go, go, Tamara. We had a marriage in a long time. You's married now. Last marriage minute, you wasn't married. 
know Chris and Tamara. Y'all see them, man. Different, totally different, totally different charisma. People might say, Chris don't have any charisma. Yes, he does. A lot of charisma. You get him talking. See, I was up here at this altar. I could hear him talking. It's just different than hers. But together, they function perfectly. Got it? So don't go looking for somebody just like you. The world can't handle two of you in the same household. I can't handle two of me in the same household. <laughs> right? All right, now. Let me, let me, let me finish for today. Thank you, Lord. So everybody say, I have charisma. I have my own charisma. It's, it's a gift. Now, don't, please, don't think of charisma as uh, how, I, how I act. I want you to see charisma as what it really is. It is something God has placed on you or part of your function. Right? According to the grace that is given to us or given to you. So the word grace is the, the Greek word charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. So your charisma is according to your charis. Chris, not Chris. Chris. She on, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got my Chris. I got my Chris. I didn't say Chris. I said Chris. You too. I saw you back to me. I got my Chris. Lord gave, Lord gave me my own Chris. I said Chris. C H A R I S. Caris. Caris. Oh my God. My goodness. <laughs> Having then charisma differing according to the charis that is given to us. Now watch. So my charisma is based on my charis. My charisma is an it, it gives me a clue. About my caress. Are y'all seeing this? Is this okay? Put put charisma back up there. Put charisma back up there. Put charisma back up there. The word, uh, the, the the definition I gave. You. Yeah, compelling attractiveness or charm. So your attractiveness, or not, not physical. Not talking about physical. Your, your personality is talking about a charm. Gives a clue to your. Really to your calling is what I'm trying to get you to say, to get you to see. So your presence, your personality, your force of personality, your strength of character gives you a clue as to the calling on your life. Because that came because of the calling. 
So if you're the kind of person who, I ain't nowhere where I can stand in front of a crowd and talk. That is not my personality. Okay, it's a good clue that you're not called to that. Some of y'all are going to say, no, that's just you just being shy. No, 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 no. Uh -huh. Because some of y'all used to be the playground hound dog. You know what I mean? Back, remember back in elementary school, middle school? You used to be the playground hound dog. You, everybody knew you was on the playground. Everybody knew you were on the playground. You were that person who was always out front. You were the, you were the center of attention. You were a uh, class clown. Class clown. Any of y'all used to be the class clown? Just a few of y'all. Y'all won't admit it. Okay. But everybody knew you were there? You were always out front? Uh, I'm going to just give you one example here. <clears throat> Go back to, to Romans 12, 6. I'm going to read this, and you'll see. I'm talking to the class clowns, or, or the ones who were always out front. The ones who would get everybody stirred up. Okay, you're in verse 6. So you got a charisma according to the charisma that's given to you. Use them if prophecy, let us, use, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry, which is, which is a, a serving. Let us use it, use that grace in our ministering. He who teaches implied use that grace, that charisma in your teaching. He who exhorts use that charisma in your exhortation. He who gives use that charisma in your liberality. He who leads, that's what I want to get to. You were a leader on the playground. Am I right? You were a leader on the playground. When people got together for little stuff, you used to have people over at your house. They used to be on, on the street playing. You know, y'all had a little whatever going on on the street. Just on the street. Just playing in, in elementary school. You, you kind of, okay, now we're going to do this. When I remember when I was a kid on 25th Street growing up, boy, 25th Street, between Walton and 26th Street, boy, play football, and I, football my game, I was all-time quarterback. Am I right? Gershom, he was there with me, all-time quarterback. I'm running the show all the time. I was a leader. This is what play we're going to run. This is this, this what we're going to do. I just, I just, that's just how I did it. When I, when I went to, got in uh, high school, got in, you know, I told, I told you a story about my dad would let me play football, right? He said, Ted, because your hands, son, your hands, you're going to be going to heal people with your hands. And he wanted me to play football. I, I sent some people, I saw a picture of uh, Boog, Booger McFarlane. I know Booger McFarlane, he's a, he's a commentator. That joker hand looked like, looked like that. And I said, that's why God won't let me play football. But, so I ended up being a marching band. Marching band. All of marching band nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phi Theta Alto. So, um, what was I saying about marching band? So, marching band, but it was enough for me to be just in marching band. I had to become drum major. 
two years, drum major. Drum major at St. Pete High. Okay, 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 okay. Got tired of St. Pete, wanted to go find the girls at Lakewood. So I went over to, Holly, to Hollywood High School. First year in, bam, drum major. Why? I, there's charisma that was on me before I got saved. Y'all, you're not catching. Before I got saved. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So, so the things that God put on your life before that what he does is he once you accept the calling the reason why he puts you and makes you part of a church and gives you a pastor is oh thank you Lord Ephesians 4 11 and 12 give me Ephesians 4 11 and 12 because you, you got your calling you have your charisma but it needs sharpening so he, he himself gave some of the apostles, uh, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, that word equipping in the King James, I, I believe they use the word perfecting. So though you have this calling, though you have this charisma, though you have this uh, gifting on your life, he puts leadership over you, that's me, to, well, I'm out of time. Stand up. Did that dog just stop mid sentence and say? <laughs> to cover you and perfect what he put on you. Did I just thought I finished the sentence right there. Bam. Pause it. Unpause. Are you understanding here? So, so. Give me the King James. Just go and switch to the King James on that, please, for me. So you'll see that for the perfection of the saints. So God puts a pastor or leader in your life to perfect you in your calling. That's why just because you got a calling, you can't just out, out there go out, out there and run on your own and say, okay, I got it now, I'm going to do this on my own. No, no, no. You got to have this leadership over your life to help so that you can do what God has called you to do. Even if that means something outside of the church. Some of you may be called to be an educator. But even with, your even with your educator calling, you need a leader, a pastor over you to help sharpen and perfect you in so you can fulfill that calling. So, so we still have to work together. Me and my calling. You and your calling. You don't have the same charisma I have. And I don't have the same charisma you have. I don't just mean personalities. There are things that God has put on you that he didn't put on me. Places you can go in, I can't go in. There are things that you can, you can do, things that you can say that I can't say. Because it's differing according to our grace. Now the dangerous thing is for me to get out of my lane and step over into your lane trying to do what you do. Or for you to get out of your lane. I had a guy years ago. I'm preaching and pastoring everything. This guy came and he, he, he's, I mean, just like just got born again. Just, just right off of the street. 
wet behind the ears, breath still smelled like Similac. I don't even know if he got any baby oil on him. You know what I mean, baby oil, little, little he don't have a little anointing. Not even a little anointing. No, not, not even any baby oil. And I remember one day he's sitting in my office, going to talk to me. He tell me, Pastor, I think I can do what you do. Just like that. I think I can do what you do. I said, well, praise God. Go right ahead. Now, here I got disturbed. I ain't going to lie. I'm like, who is this? Um, who does this brother think he is? I did. I got a little. I did. I did. I did. Lord, forgive me for getting offended and all that kind of stuff because I got. I did get offended because this ain't easy. And just because you think you can talk, don't mean you can pastor a church. Can I tell, can I get another example of this? Because I'm watching it happen all, all over the country. All over the country. Because people mistake charisma. So they think my charisma is an anointing or, or it's, 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 it's my calling. But should I say this? They mistake their personality as their calling. So what's happening across the country is you got a lot of guys and girls who are wonderful uh, singers, music stars. They can command an audience. They can make an audience get up and dance and shout and run up and down the aisles singing a song. And they're grace for that. But then what they do is they, they make the mistake of thinking that that grace translates into pastoring grace. So now not they, we're going to start a church. Because, you know, I can, man, I know how to make the people go. But it takes a lot more than making people go. To, to pastor a church. It might be similar. It might, it might have, you know, some of the same uh, responses. But it's not the same. And so then they get over there and they, they're going to get a big crowd because everybody knows their music. And they're going to get a big band and music and everything, all the lights and the camera and action, everything, have a lot, of, a lot of following. But be no word. Because you weren't grace for that, brother. You want grace for that, my sister? See what happened? They got out of their lane over into somebody else's lane and boom. One time God sent uh, King Saul. Remember King Saul, the first king of Israel? They're going to go fight this battle and uh, they get back and they're going to meet uh, Saul calls for Samuel he's thinking calling for Samuel to come to the uh, house of God to make a sacrifice for them well it's like seven days pass and Saul's like man the, the priest's taking too long the prophet's taking too long to get here so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in the house of God I'm at the sacrifice myself. Now he's the king. That's his grace. That's his lane. Going to the house of God, that's Samuel's lane. But Samuel's taking too long. Saul goes in there, I'm going to go in there and now I'm going to make the sacrifice. So he's in there and doing his thing, all of a sudden, Samuel walks in and says, what? 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 
do what? What you doing in here, boy? Sir? And uh, he said, well, you took too long. You know what I was doing? He said, man, he said, here's what the Lord said. Because of that, the kingdom is now rent from you and your family. Ripped. In other words, he, he, t- he tells him, he says, he says Saul, the, this, is, this, is, this is wonderful here to know. He says, Saul, the kingdom would have stayed in your household. There would have been no David's household. He says, Saul, the kingdom would have stayed in your household forever, but because you did not follow God's command, you didn't stay in your lane. You got over here in my lane, in somebody else's lane, the kingdom is ripped from you. And from that day forward, God, and this, this is what God, he said, God said, I'm going to go find a man after my own heart. That's exactly what he said. I'm going to go find a man, man after my own heart. And that's when God started, he, he, he knew David. Because Saul didn't stay in his lane. Isaiah 6, uh, I think it's verse 1. Isaiah says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year the King Uzziah died. How many of y'all have read that verse? How many of y'all have heard of King Uzziah? Well, why did Uzziah die? I think it's 2 Chronicles 26 down there. It says, Uzziah, who was the king, he was the king. He used to, he would seek the Lord and God prospered him. He grew and everything. God took care of him. But the Bible says when he began to prosper, he started getting beside himself. <clears throat> and he decided, go, give me uh, 2 Chronicles uh, 20, I think it's 26. Is that where it is? Huh? Give me 26 in verse, I don't know, 22, somewhere around there. Verse 22. Oh, no. That's, we got to go back up, like verse 18 or so. Yeah. Verse 16. I'm going to find it. Verse 14. All right. Is it verse 15? Y'all help me find it. Six, 16? Oh, okay. Okay, it's 16. I'm, looking, I'm thinking about a different translation. NIV, I think, says when he, he began to prosper. Okay. So 16, this is it. But when he was strong in his heart, no, you can go, you can go, go, go back to the New King James. But when he was strong in his heart, his strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see that? So when he got beside himself, he like, you know, I'm, I've arrived. Start smelling himself. He all of a sudden transgressed against God by going to the temple. That was the priest's responsibility. He wasn't graced for that. He was graced to be king and God prospered him as a king. As long as he stayed in his lane, God prospered him. Verse uh, 20, drop down to verse 20. And as the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, that they came and found him in the temple, just like it happened with Saul. And there on his forehead, he was leprous. Did you see that? He got in somebody else's lane and leprosy struck him. So they thrust him out of the place. Indeed, he also heard to get out because the Lord had struck him. Why did the Lord strike him? Because he got over in somebody else's lane. Verse 21, King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. That's how he died. Because he got over in somebody else's lane. When you get in somebody else's lane, there's no grace on you. 
So it's imperative that we find out what our lane is, what our purpose and our calling is, and I'm going to deal with this Wednesday night. Y'all can come back Wednesday night. Is be careful you don't let envy pull you out of your lane into somebody else's lane. And number two, be careful you don't let other folk pull you out of your lane with all their accolades. I remember, I remember back when my home church, Gershom, we went to the same church. Back in my home church, I was doing a lot of the teaching and some of the preaching. And because I believe I always had a pastor's heart. I mean, from the very jump. I, th- I think the same thing's in you. It's just, it's, it's a heart that you have for, for the people. Because of that, I was always just so, I wanted to be with the people. I wanted to just help them see that. That's just my heart. Well, what happened as that went on, people began to say, you my pastor. I just say, no, I'm not your pastor. That's your pastor and that's my pastor. See, because if you're not careful, even the accolades or the thoughts of other people who mean well, if you allow it to happen, they'll pull you out of your grace and try to get you into somebody else's grace. But every purpose has a time. Ecclesiastes 3.1. David knew that. David was anointed by God to be king. But he knew that he could not be king ahead of his time. And so even when king Saul was trying to kill him and David had opportunity to kill Saul three times, David wouldn't kill him, David wouldn't touch him. Because David knew, although I'm anointed, the appointment is for a time. And people tried to problem up, make him king. David, and they, 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 they will go kill him. Don't you touch. And David would say, don't you touch God's anointed. Saul is God's anointed. David knew. Boom. When it's time. But when his time came, boy, that thing hit him. Bam! All of a sudden, David just began to take over. And that's how it happened in your life when you do things in God's timing and stay in your lane. Y'all receive that today? That's all the time I got. I'm way past time. Give God a praise if you receive that today. Praise the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. I'm learning my function. I'm learning my purpose. I'm learning about this charisma I have. Why God made me the way he made me. Why he put things on me the way he put things on me. Looking back over my life. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Pastor Kim all the week was announcing about the mass choir. And she made this statement. Somebody's got to be in the audience. Right? And that's okay. So everybody can't 
Everybody's not called to do everything. But everybody is called to do something. Hmm. Somebody, you might be struggling to be an entrepreneur because that's not your calling. You might be doing it just because what Pastor said, you know, you ought to do this and whatever, and that's a good idea, and people are doing it. It might not be your calling. You might be called to 40. You know, 40, 40 hours a week. Why, why is that? Because maybe God wants to put you like Daniel in Babylon or like Joseph in Egypt and raise you up within something to take that thing over. See, we got to get out of this mindset of just doing something just because everybody's doing it. That's, that's, that's not how we operate. I got to find out, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Look at neighbor right now, ball. Tell him there's a calling on your life. You have a purpose. You have a function. And God gave you the perfect charisma for what he called you to do. Don't, don't, don't try to change and be like somebody else. God doesn't need you to be like somebody else. He needs you to be you. You're the best you he can make. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everybody here born again? If you're not born again, that's the first step. In uh, finding out, you got people out there in the world who they travel to the Himalayas trying to find out their purpose. <laughs> they go travel, you know, all in mountains and stuff like that, and going meet meeting with, you know, spiritists trying to find out what is my purpose in life. What am I here for? It's right here. It's right here. It's in the word. Be led by the spirit. So you got to do that first. Anybody here not born again, I want to pray for you today. You said, Pastor, today I'm, I'm, I hear, hear the, the message. I'm not part of the family of God. I want to get saved. I want to get born again. I want to not ask you to join the church. I'm talking about you just becoming part of the family of God. That's important. Church membership doesn't mean anything until it's time to bury you. it's time to bury you and you need a place you can, you know, other than that, go on to the, to the funeral home. You know what I'm saying? Just, but when it's, what I'm saying is, now don't get me wrong, I, I want people to be members of the church, but what I'm talking about is the calling in your life, is, it goes beyond that. The calling may include that, how you function within the local assembly, but that's only a part of it. It's greater than that. There's a greater good. So, but you got to be born again. So I ask one more time, one more time. It's late. Anybody here not born again? You say, the pastor, today is my day to give my life to Jesus Christ, to start this journey, this walk with the Lord. 
and uh, serve him all my days. So everybody's born again, everybody's good? Everybody's good? Okay, everybody ask that person sitting right to your right or left, ask them are they born again, just check, just make sure. That's good, I like the husbands checking wives too. You better check, y'all better check, you never know. You might have been playing games all this time, I don't know. You better check. All right. Good. All right, let's pray. Father, all your ways are perfect. Everything you do is perfect. There's no imperfections in anything in your plan, in your system, in your purposes. And so today I ask you to make clear to us, to every individual, what that perfect purpose and plan is for our lives. Why you made us this way. Why our personalities are this way. Why, why we think this way or why we go this way. Why, why, we're, why are we here? God, I ask that God, each person will begin to really take an introspective look and see what, what's going on. Why? Why, Lord? There, there's more. Well, I know there, in every one of us, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, 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 that little spot of emptiness that we feel like you're pulling on us for more. And God, I believe that in this hour, you're pulling us into our purpose. You're full, pulling us right into that perfect place you've planned for us, God. Who thought, God, thank you. There are paths that you planned beforehand for us to walk in. Works you prepared beforehand for us to do, Lord. So we can live the good life you made ready, prearranged and made ready for us to live. God, I pray today that each person, Lord, will discover. I pray for not only the, those who are adults and mature, but those who are youth, children, Father. God, I, I know, Lord, if I had discovered, know my purpose, Lord, when I was 14 and 15 and 12 and 19, God, how much different my life probably would have been. So I pray for every one of our teenagers and younger children, God, that you'd help them to even now learn and know their purpose, their assignment, their calling. So that God, our lives will be useful. We'll not waste any time doing something that's outside of our purpose. Won't be dragged off into something else. Won't be pulled out into something else. And won't let envy pull us into something else. I pray for God that these your precious people, God would begin to excel in the work you've given each and every one of them and me to do. I believe that these your people shall be profitable servants to you, our most high God, so that when we meet you, we'll be able to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your Lord. God, we thank you and praise you for today. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Put those hands together one time and give God a great big